baby. Welcome back to the Talking Sports Better Than Most podcast, where we're coming to you live on the 4th of July. Right. It's America's birthday. It's another... How old is America? Do you know? You mean, like, since 1776? Are you saying... Yeah, like, how many years old are we? I don't know. I don't need to do the math right now. <laughs> I thought you would know. 24 and 22, so it'd be 200 and... What, 24 and 22, so 246? Okay. Uh-huh. I'll agree with you. I mean, I have no idea. So, well, if you're going from 1776, right? Yeah, I think. Right. Sounds good to me. Okay. They're in the 200s. <clears throat> 246. Okay. I'm going to Google that as we're talking to make sure. What do you mean? If you're asking me since the Independence Day of 1776, July 4th of 1776, 1776. So, I mean, 200 gets you to 1976, plus 24 gets you to 2000, and not 22 years. 24, 22, 46, plus 200, 246. Sounds good to me. Let's focus on the actual information. All right. Well, we had obviously some earth-shattering news since the last time we spoke, and that obviously we're here in Ohio. We, of course, follow the Big Ten, and, of course, the Big Ten landscape changed a few days ago with the additions of USC, UCLA, so, without getting into the particulars, I mean, besides the fact that they're joining, what was your instant reaction when I texted you the other day and said it was happening? Well, we're going to become, they're going to becoming, what, the big 18 now? Or how many teams are they adding? UCLA, USC. Yeah, they'll be up to 18, I believe. Two more to get us to 20. But who else is it going? They're 14 already. Oh, well, I mean, the rumors are out there that other teams, Notre Dame, yeah. this... You know, Oregon. Yeah, I thought like Washington. I thought I thought something about too. Uh, I mean, that's the rumor now that Washington, Oregon, Notre Dame, and I forgot who the fourth one is. I mean, people are saying North Carolina to get all you know into the East Coast. I mean, so the rumors are there. I don't know who though exactly. I don't know. I think it's like a sad day for college football because it's destroying the different um, different conferences. But maybe it'll turn out for the best and. Maybe it's something that we just don't see yet what's going to happen, but I don't um, know if I necessarily like it, but I guess it's better for the Big Ten. Um, I mean, UCLA certainly does not scare me as a fan of Michigan. And USC is going to be probably pretty solid. I don't know if they're going to be like a juggernaut, though, just because they got Lincoln Riley. They still got to win. Yeah, I mean, my first reaction is I don't think it's a – I mean, I think the problem is a traditionalist um, in certain things. Just it, there's radical changes coming to college football. I mean, mm-hmm. this is we're we're getting towards you know a few super conferences. It's going to obviously change the playoff. Again, it's just that I mean, you're younger still. You're only 22, 23. How, how are you? 23. You're 23. So. Obviously, you kind of know what you know in college football. Those people that are maybe my age, or but even I'm talking older than me, the true traditionalists. I mean, just it's kind of life changing. It's completely different than what it once was. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not going to be the Big Ten and the Pac-12. I mean, it's just not going to happen. And it's in the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl. It's basically a waste. I mean, it's been a waste of time, in my opinion, since they did the um, college football playoff. Which obviously, I want to see the playoff, but. I think, I just don't know, I don't really like the idea of having the Rose Bowl part of the playoffs. 
um, I feel like that should still remain to what it is. But, I mean, it's just, I don't know, if you don't like change, you probably don't really love what's happening in college football, but that's just gonna, what's going to happen. It's going to continue to revolve, change every year. New things are going to happen. I mean, it's still going to be, obviously, you know, the best. Um, you know, it's still going to captivate everyone Saturday, but it's just going to be different, different feel if you play Washington, if you play USC or UCLA. I mean, I, you almost have to, like, treat it as, like, a non-conference game. Like, you have to, like, feel like it's, like, a non-conference game because that's just the way it's going to feel like for a long time. Yeah, I mean, so a couple things. I mean, first off the bat, how it fits in the landscape of things. In all of college football, it makes the Big Ten stronger. There's no doubt about that. Adding USC um, and UCLA isn't um, what it once was, but maybe it can make its way back with Chip. Who knows? Um, In terms of the Big Ten itself, I mean, yeah, you know, people are joking. Are we going to see USC, UCLA on the Big Ten Network, you know, greatest Big Ten games of all time with their rivalry? Um, You know, old games back in the 80s of those two. But, you know, I mean, like, my big thing is, like, how's the conferences going to be set up? Um, You know, let's be honest. um, It's obviously going to set up. We're going to have to put those two teams in the West. I mean, that's obviously what they're gearing towards, adding some more strength out there. But, you know... You got so many teams now. I mean, what are you going to have? You're going to have, like you just said, 14 well, teams. Well, there's 16 confirmed, then, if you had UCLA and, and USC uh, in 2024. Yeah, right. so you so. got 16, 14 teams, and two more, so you got 16. And then whoever else comes. I mean, you're only going to play. Are we going to play eight or nine? I mean, so many teams are not going to get to play. And let's well, maybe honest, they need to go back to a nine-conference regular season. I think you're going to have to. I mean, who – I mean – Rutgers or Maryland or getting USC on the schedule. I mean, mm-hmm. it's obviously going to be huge, and I feel like for Michigan and Ohio State fans, the conference is going to definitely set up. You can't tell me in that first year they're not going to put USC against Michigan and Ohio State. I mean, they're going mm-hmm. to want to um, glamorize the conference right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think the first Big Ten game is going to be USC versus Northwestern at night mm-hmm. on a Friday night. Um you know, it's it's an odd thing. I feel bad for the, you know, we're, we only really talk football. A lot of the other smaller sports, I can't imagine how those um, travel schedules yeah. are going to end up being. But no, um, only thing about it is uh, it's like football or basketball. And, I mean, obviously football makes a tremendous amount of money and basketball makes a solid amount. But, I mean, they all pay out in comparison to football and college football. And, and it's just the, the kids are going to go through a lot. The athletes are going to go through a lot. I mean, it's just ridiculous the amount of travel expenses they're going to incur. I mean, it's already high for regular teams. Then you have to go across the country every single week. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I don't know. I think, again, in terms of, um, number one, we, we know it's a money grab. We know where that's coming from. USC and UCLA see how much Rutgers University is getting and thought no way are we just going to sit back and not gain that money towards us. As we talked about, I think we talked about on here maybe months ago about the fact that the TV deal's coming up in the Big Ten and Fox is going to obviously, maybe even NBC's going for it to add to the Notre Dame network. I mean, it's making millions and millions, almost billion of dollars in terms of TV rights. And um, so in the end, that's what it all boils down to. On the flip side, it's very compelling because um, you you got a, a brand name like USC. Again, UCLA mm-hmm. has not been what UCLA was years ago. Um, but USC has struggled, but they've always had great athletes. they got a ton of 
um, energy, obviously with Lincoln Riley um, going there right now. Um, I, I, I wonder if he knew what was coming down the pipeline here because I tell you what, he had a pretty easy route of it out west. Um, mm -hmm. And things are going to get a lot different because they're going to have to play in Minnesota or Wisconsin or Ann Arbor. They have to play in the Midwest in the cold mm -hmm. somewhere. It's just going to be a lot different than those sunny, sunny California days. Now, yeah. yeah. they're going to have to play in front of a crowd, which they don't usually do. In yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's going to be a lot different. I mean, I don't know what's their weak teams: Oregon State, Washington State. I mean. Mm -hmm. I, I guess that's comparable to our Maryland and Rutgers in the Big Ten. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, I, again, a traditionalist isn't going to like what's happening. It's going to like the changes. It does make the conference stronger. Um, I, think I mean, I don't hate it. I mean, like, everyone wants, you know, you want to see your team play good teams because it's more exciting to watch them play against a good team versus watching them play against a team that they're going to beat by 65. I mean, it's just not really that intriguing um, when the game's over after five minutes in the first quarter. Um, but... You know, it's still going to feel like a non-conference game, yeah, even though it's technically not going to be in two years. In the end, something's going to have to change, though, because you can't have all these teams, mm -hmm. and you're only going to give the Big Ten one spot in the playoff, yeah. and then we're going to give the Pac-12, I mean, or the Big 12. I mean, I don't, I don't know what they are right now. I mean, I don't know what they're going to be. Um, you already got two spots for the SEC schools, yep. um, so you're going to have to put six teams in a playoff at least. You're going to have to give the Big Ten a couple spots, you know, why even play a Big Ten championship game, to be honest with you? It doesn't even make sense. No. Um, I don't know. It just, it's its going to be interesting. Um, it definitely is going to, um, it's going to look a lot different when USC and UCLA come rolling into town. Um, I guess if they come rolling into town in September, like you said, it's definitely going to feel like a non-conference game. No. Maybe in early November, it'll feel a little bit different. Um, but USC, I guess, is still going to play Notre Dame. Every year, from what I read, mm. that's not changing. Um, and then there's the dominoes. Everybody wants to know what, what's happening from this point on. Is um, Notre Dame the next team to join? Um, the Ohio State president was speaking the other morning, and she said that in her mind she does not think this is about to end. So I'm sure she knows something we don't, but um, there's no doubt there's going to add more teams, and the question is who who's next? I mean, Oregon just recently... I guess has kind of come into the forefront, and obviously you want Nike as part of that, right? I mean, Oregon can compete with that. Um, and if you can get Notre Dame, I guess you take Notre Dame. But Notre Dame at some point is going to have to realize, I think they're just going to, I don't know, why not take Oregon, Notre Dame, Clemson, and... Oh, my Georgia, gosh, that would be a right? conference. I mean, <clears throat> Clemson's just going to sit back there in the ACC. I just can't yeah. believe they're not going to make a move either. So... Yeah. I mean, somewhere along the line, the Big Ten's probably going to go to 20, I guess be the Big 20. Yeah. and um, Or maybe we could just push some teams some some teams out, you know? I don't uh, know. Like, how would you feel if you're Rutgers in the middle of this? I mean, <laughs> I hate to well, keep picking uh, Rutgers, but... The issue with, I mean, sometimes it's nice to play a team that's not good just to get, like, a, a good, easy win. I mean, I'm not saying you want it every week because it doesn't help your team if you're not playing good teams, but... Or uh, build the con you know it gets the younger guys a chance to play, build confidence, and and kind of just be not an off week, but you know not a bye week, but I mean it allows players to build that confidence and kind of have a relaxing week where you can kind of focus on your opponent, but really start looking forward to your next one and game planning. So I mean if you get rid of all the bad teams, it's going to be a pretty tough conference to to go ten and two in um, 
or on the season, I should say, on the, not in the conference. But um, I think that's another thing that we're going to have to adjust to is the fact that how, how do you schedule? Well, yeah, how to schedule, but we're not going to have teams going undefeated anymore. Like, no, not if you do bring in those teams. That's how college football always was. Yeah. And I heard Kirk Herbstreit say it on TV that this is kind of going to become the AFC, NFC of, you know, the football, essentially, where you're going to lose games, you know, and next thing you know, you may rematch in the playoffs, and next thing you know, boom. So, again, it's just untraditional. Um, it, I think the odd thing about it, too, is, we still got this for two more years, what we have now. And yet in the back of your mind, everyone's wondering, well, what's going to happen in two more years? Uh, Oklahoma and Texas are going to the SEC when? Um, I think the same time, right? 2024. So Hmm. um, that's what I mean. There's going to have to be major changes to the college football playoff. There's going to have to be. Back 12, big 12. They might as well just become the mediocre 12 because they're going to go down to that or 10 or eight or six teams for too long. The sad thing I kind of upset about, I mean, I know you were talking about Michigan's future schedule one day to me and Ohio State's future schedule, like somewhere along the line, um, some of those games are probably going to get screwed up now because of this, because we're going to have to That's true. change some yeah. games. And, you know, I think Ohio State had Texas on there and had Alabama coming up, I think, even. So I just hope some of those games, um, I hope some of those things, I, what I'm afraid is going to happen is if they – if the conference itself is too strong, they may not schedule as big a games out of conference. Which yeah, that's the problem. I mean, that. I think if you do get Oregon, and I mean, I'm not saying Oregon isn't good, but they're they've been pretty pretty steady football team in the in the college football for the last well, since kind of pretty much since Chip, Chip Kelly was there. They've only had a couple rough rough years, but I mean Notre Dame. Say you bring in Oregon and. We got UC, uh, USC, and then you got Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, a Wisconsin team that, you know, if they should just kind of get with the times, they'd be a pretty darn good football team. Um, I mean, that's that's a loaded division. They may not have the best team in the country, maybe, um, every single year, but they're going to have um, the toughest, without I think without even a question, top to bottom, the toughest. I mean, uh, I think that's already the way it is. It's just they might not be as top-heavy as the SEC is. So I'm just interested in really seeing what's going to happen with these get with with the with the conference breakups. I mean, where are we going to put these teams? How are we going to schedule them? Um, I, you cannot put UCLA in the same. Co- I mean, USC in the same division as Ohio State and Michigan. Um, yeah, yeah, Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio, yeah, Michigan. I mean, so I don't know. But you, you know, if you, they put UCLA, USC. I mean, that would just be absurd. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to do. Con- I don't know how they're going to do the scheduling. I don't understand it at all. But I guess, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I guess they got some really smart people other than us who are going to figure this out. But in the end, we're still going to always be thinking to ourselves: there's going to be years where Ohio State and Michigan don't play USC, but they look like they're the two best teams. And I guess then they meet and look. In, in, and I guess that's why we're still going to have a championship game, right? Mm-hmm. In case we get to a situation where the two best teams aren't playing each other in opposite divisions. Yeah. Well, but to me, well, then that's what the college football playoff is built for. Yeah. Um, so you're just going to beat each other up then, and then mm-hmm. what? Only one gets in the playoff. That's what yeah. I mean. it's got something's got to change because in the end, it's just going to end up hurting. I think the conference. So yeah, they could expand uh, the playoff, and I mean, they could expand it more than just six. I mean. It's just going to make more more money, more money for the football, um, more money for the schools, more money for the NCAA. I mean, it's just all going to be 
that way, and then you don't eliminate teams before the playoff even gets started. And in the Big Ten's case, they actually could have a chance to get two teams when they actually deserve it again. Yeah, so. it's a delicate battle from making games count versus giving making games count in the regular season mm-hmm. and still giving your you know and still making sure you don't water down. I guess the regular season, I should mm-hmm. say, because it seems like we just you know we want more teams in the playoff, but we also want Ohio State and Notre Dame to matter, even though it's the first game of the year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Again, for most of you probably who are listening to us, you have an allegiance to someone in the Big Ten. It's going to be pretty interesting to see how it all plays out. But it definitely shook up the college football world. I think um, we're just probably just over, what, all camps will start in August, right? First week mm-hmm. of August. So, I mean, we're just a few weeks away from that. And then, of course, things will probably heat up. I mean, I'm sure USC and UCLA won't have um, a lot of support going to their uh, Pac-12 yeah. <laughs> stadiums this year. Uh, and then, of course, it's going to be interesting basketball. I mean, basketball, I'm assuming when Michigan plays USC and UCLA, they'll probably just play a long weekend. Yeah, I have no back idea. Back, right? I mean, they're not going to fly Michigan out to play UCLA and then have them fly back to play Iowa and then yeah. Michigan and then back out. So, I mean, it makes – I can understand that. Um, but, again, it's it's just a lot of – In our lifetime, it's never going to make sense. Schools. Maybe in your son's lifetime, having USC in the Big Ten will make sense. But um, it, it'll never – it'll never – yeah. Now you're going to have to listen to Fight On in Michigan Stadium – one day over and over and over and over and over. And it'd be really weird if they play out west if they don't play, or they'll have to obviously play a late uh, kickoff then. Yeah, so that's the next thing, you know, because Fox is not giving away its big noon kickoff. Remember they had some 9 a.m. kickoffs. Remember that was the big thing last year. Oh, was it? And that 9 a.m. kickoff. Uh, And on the flip side, though, what was the complaint? That Pac-12 after dark led to all this excitement, Uh but... I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think most Michigan fans want to watch a 10:30 Michigan game. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the ratings would be good, but they're going to be poor. So, yeah. um, just like well, they would have to just do it at like 3:30 out west. It's just going to have to do so it would be 6:30 or East, but yeah. You know, these Pac-12 after 10. They're just limited to a time frame yeah. where they can draw both fan bases and just national national audience. I mean, there may be one game <clears throat> once in a blue moon that starts at 10, but. I think it would be more of like a Northwestern UCLA game. Yeah. Um, it just, but again, it's just I don't anybody. I don't think anybody really knows. And again, since the dominoes are still to fall, we'll see where everybody else yeah. falls. I mean, the next time we are here for the podcast, I'm sure we'll learn more and know more about what's going to happen next. And the next one after that, we'll learn more and more. And it's just it's going to keep happening until everything's situated and figured out. I guess. So that is college football scene. Like I said, we're about a month away from the start of um, fall camps um, in not just the college scene, but also in the NFL scene as we get ready for the NFL. A couple news and notes that came out this week from the NFL. The Cleveland Browns, Deshaun Watson, went in front of the first ever board. Um, I guess some judge or somebody who's going to rule. Um, the NFL made it known that they wanted a year-long suspension for Deshaun Watson. Um, and, of course, um, 
Cleveland Browns and the Players Union are fighting that. So there's no timetable. And then you got Baker Mayfield still out there who said that, um, you know, that bridge is burned. But, you know, maybe if Cleveland called up and apologized to him, maybe he'd come back and play with them. No. Um, so I don't believe in that. The, he's a, no, a grudge holder. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it just shows you, though, I mean, what, what in the world is going on in Cleveland? Um, if you think about it, they gave up a lot. A lot. And they don't even know if they're going to have the quarterback that they want for maybe an entire year. Yeah. We just pushed back the rebuild another year. It was to be good in, what, like 2018 or something like that? And how many playoff wins did they have to show for it? Maybe one? Um, yeah, uh, they beat the Steelers. Yeah, there you go. I mean, so one playoff run. It's, I don't know. It's one of those things that, again, what again, we probably got people who support Cleveland around here, and it's just interesting that um, you got a team that, I don't know, every year there's something different, but... Again, it'll be interesting to see how long. It looks like, I bet you, Deshaun Watson's probably going to get suspended, I would bet, half the season. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I know it's whatever, 17 games now, so you can't whatever, but yeah. I bet you eight to nine games he's going to get yeah, suspended. Yeah, about eight games that he gets suspended. And, um, who's going to be Cleveland's quarterback? Well, that's another story. But, again, know. it just is the mess in Cleveland. I mean, I, there's definitely an organization that, the sad thing is, if you kind of do look on paper, they do got a lot of the pieces. Oh, yeah, so. all the pieces, I think. Um, but something, for some reason, doesn't gel But right. they've had all the, basically all the pieces for the last three years or however long it's been, and they haven't. It's it's one reason or another why they can't win, so. And one of the people who we know quite, quite well from them, OBJ, um, still looking for a team. Yeah. Um, but he ain't going to be able to come back to November, so people are just saying he's just sitting around waiting to see maybe who's going to be kind of, you know, who's going to be kind of out there looking for somebody to help mm-hmm. them on a playoff run, kind of like the Rams, and next thing you know, yeah. be playing in another Super Bowl because what, what's the use of him signing out if he isn't going to yeah. play until November? Yeah, I know he's got a while. <laughs> I mean, so it's... Same thing with him and Gronk. Yeah, I mean... He's not going to be back for a while. Oh, good. And then, you know, Gronk supposedly is coming back. It's just he's going to wait. See, you know, Tampa Bay is where they stand and everything. So, again, it's funny how that happens. But, I, I mean, the one thing I had written down here for us to talk about as we've been listening every day was something new, of course, kind of piques its interest in the NFL. It's just, again, the parity. There's no doubt um, it's the league that has the most parity and probably adds the most excitement. I mean, who would have thought the, the Bengals were going to do what the Bengals did at this time last year, and they mm-hmm. were just a play or two away from winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, you know, it shows you that, again, that's what makes the NFL great. It only takes maybe one player or two players or the right coach, and next thing you know, your team's up there. Um, did you see um, Joe Burrow in his hat and all dressed up, his outfit at the boxing match the other night or UFC fight? No. No. Take a look at it on online. He's looking like he's a million there. bucks. Yeah, he's... he's Tell you what, that kid's living the good life right now. I don't know how old he is, but uh, about the same age. 24? Yeah. I'd say a year older than me. He's he's living. I would say a good year older than me. He's living a different life than you and I, that's for sure. Um, So, again, just over a month away, college football starts a week before, maybe a week and a half before the NFL, because they don't start to the first week of September. So, um, a little more time, but there's no doubt we're going to be ready for fantasy football. We're going to be ready to make some predictions when it comes to the NFL, but... Um, yeah, basically, 
basically almost exactly two months away from college, and then a week after that is NFL, the Thursday after that. Yeah, so basically two months from, well, it's like September 8th or something, so we're just about two yeah. months away from, um, I think I saw maybe only like 10 Sundays or 10 Saturdays. Yeah, I think away. it's nine Saturdays for yeah, college football. And then 10 Sundays for the 10. NFL or something. Yeah. So anyways, that's coming up. The NBA just ended, and if you love a little bit of drama, Kevin Durant always seems to be in the center of it. Of course, he helped Golden State win a title, felt slighted. Um, two titles? Two oh, titles. Smokes. Um, helped him win two titles, and um, I guess never felt appreciated enough. So he decided to leave, go elsewhere. Sounds like he's ready to leave. Then a year out with the Nets, and then this year back, and Kyrie was out with the vaccine, whatever issue thing, half the year, and then they got obliterated by the Celtics in the playoffs really quickly, and then now he's going to be searching apparently for another team, and Kyrie might be going to the Lakers. Is what I read that he bought a house in L.A. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, I didn't report it, so. I can't tell you if it's factual or not, but either way, um, more drama in the NBA. Uh, KD's going to go for another, go to another team. Uh, he's just going to argue with somebody else on Twitter about how he's a man. Uh, no one's going to believe it, but uh, he's still going to be one of the best players ever. But he's not going to get the respect because of the way he flips and flops around different teams. Yeah, and of course, everybody always gets tied back into the Lakers because, God forbid, we got to make sure LeBron James has a chance to win another title. Um, I'm hoping they can't get anybody and they're stuck with who they got and go from there. But, again, I I heard, um, oh, my gosh, what's his name? Um, give KD some love. Uh, Skip? No. Uh, what's his name? From Michigan State. Draymond? Yeah, Draymond on his podcast kind of put down Steph Curry in the podcast I guess this um, Draymond podcast is unbelievable uh, it's always just um, sounds like he's saying stuff just to get people obviously his attention um, but uh, talked about Kevin Durant and how essential he was to the team's championships and blah 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 so um, it well, he interesting took to a see. good team to the greatest team of all time because they were not able to be beaten because of that yeah I mean it's it's interesting for sure, but I I don't know. We'll see where both Kyrie and Kevin Durant end up. Um, it looks like the Nets, though, um, are going to have to rebuild. <laughs> From looking That's like the rebuilding stage, yeah, look like they might be like you know the team to beat, have everything they need. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I wouldn't put my money on them this year. No. Not with what's going to happen. Well, so, if you do and they win, you'll be a rich man. There you go. So we'll just continue to watch that drama and see where, let's be honest with you, Kyrie and, and Kevin Durant have been kind of um, the drama queens of the NBA. Oh, yeah. I mean, for the past few years. Talk about it. I mean, Kevin Durant, I just don't get it. I mean, he's a guy that's done what he's done, and he's bothered by people with their posts on Twitter. I mean, if, if, people, if other people were about about it, I mean, think about the big names. I mean, LeBron is one of them that I could think of. I mean, he's basically been – yeah, he, he's never going to be able to please everyone since he was 20 years old. So, I mean, and all the other athletes out there that are huge names, I mean, you're never going to please everyone, but you don't act like a child on social media for it. And then Kyrie is – I don't know what Kyrie – there's something wrong with him. Uh, he might have, like, the Antonio Brown disease. Um, something's wrong with him mentally, I think. Uh, he's all over the place. You never know what's going to come out of his mouth. He's got to uh, have the, uh, 
like the whatever they do at church, they know the spot. Oh yeah, some incense. Yeah, you gotta have that out there on the court. He's gotta do Ramadan. Um, he's gotta not get the vaccine. He's gotta only be able to play three days out of the week or whatever, and wants to go on vacation halfway through the year. Wants to you know do whatever. I mean, he's a great player. Nothing can't really say anything bad about him on his court on the court, but um, just I don't know. I don't know if you want a basket case like that. Yeah, I mean, it comes with, um, yeah, I mean, you got. You're walking on eggshells when you got somebody like him on yeah. your team. Because if uh, you make him mad, your organization's going to be in trouble because he gets so, he just, yeah. Yeah, you're suffering. I mean, the, the problem is, do the, does the negativity outweigh any gains, yeah. right? I mean, that's what it all. It just can you manage it. I mean, yeah. it's like. You gotta have the right coach. Like we always yeah. talked about, maybe Mike Tomlin and the yeah. NFL being able to manage things better yeah. than some. I mean, you gotta, you gotta be able to manage it, like you mm-hmm. said, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So I think it's just, yeah, like I, I think I not that there's anything wrong with an older, uh, more experienced coach, but I think the younger coaches would better relate, and I think that's why Mike Tomlin. I mean, when he started, obviously he was very young, and he's been there for quite some time now with the Steelers for almost coming up on almost 20 years now. Yeah. Um, been there for 15 at least then. Um, so, I mean, I think the, you know, the more stubborn, old-style coaches wouldn't really work with that, potentially, as opposed to a younger coach that maybe can relate better and, and, and handle and tolerate and get the best out of somebody like that who is just, you never really know what they're going to do. Yeah. So, uh, now, a topic that we haven't talked about on the show yet, ever, but we will for a few minutes as Wimbledon, we, of course... Um, are a week into what I guess is the most probably notoriety in terms of tennis majors. Yeah, I mean, it's like the, the Masters. I mean, yeah. it's just like, it's always just like the I classic, mean, pristine, yeah. perfect, um, you know, I mean. dressed up. Yeah, I mean, it's just, just pretty much the Masters of, of tennis, essentially, is what it is. You know, and um, there, there are some good storylines developing, the number one and number two players on the men's side, I think, were both suspended, right, from from it because they were from Russia and Russian ties. So I think the number one well, and two seeds were suspended from, from it, if I'm not mistaken. Well, Djokovic is the one seed. Uh, I know, but I'm saying, like, they were, like, up there and would have been oh, one or two seeds. I don't know who that would be, though. Uh, I don't know, but I did read that as one of the issues. Um, but anyways... Um, Looks like we got ourselves on the men's side. The women's side, of course, Coco Golf Golf lost the other day to an American, so we do still have a strong American woman in there, um, which is great to see. And there's an American man who's going to play. You and I were just looking at the They're going to play Rafa. Playing tomorrow. Nadal, um, which will be interesting. It seems like American tennis has been missing a star. We had Andre Agassi. We had Pete Sampras. Um, and then we've kind of... Oh, the sense then have for the last... 20 years, basically, uh, at least 15 years, who had the big three, where it's just been Rafa, Roger, and Novak. Yeah, I mean, have basically won about 85 percent of the majors. So since Andy then, Andy Roddick, maybe he's the last American man. Yeah, but he he was really never. No, no, I'm saying to win a yeah, yeah. tennis tournament for the Oh yeah, I don't even know who the, what the answer to that would be, so, but he was be obviously pale in comparison to any of those three. But. See if we can Google that. I'm gonna Google that while we're talking okay. about it. Um, what are you seeing on the men's side? Um, I mean, I haven't been able to watch much of it, but it's always fun to watch. I mean, you've still got Djokovic and Nadal. I mean, that's setting up to be pretty good. And, I mean, you got Kyrgios. Um, just 
good tennis. I mean, I don't know if... I mean, probably say if you bet on Djokovic or Nadal to win it, but, um, I mean, it's always good tennis, and the so matches are amazing. when do you think... When, what year was the last year an American male won a tennis major? Um... I was bigger than you, probably. Never. 2003. And that was Roddick? Yes, Andy Roddick. Wow. Won the U.S. Open over Juan Carlos Vieira. Um, that is amazing. And we wonder why sometimes tennis isn't necessarily obviously looked at on the American side as strong. I mean, that, that's a long time. It's 20 years no. just about that an American Well, but if you look... Back at since 2003, I mean, since the big right. three, I mean, they've just dominated, obviously. And, but I mean, there really hasn't been an American man that you could even say. Well, yeah, I'm just saying, it, it, you know, it's like Phil Mickelson being second to Tiger Woods. Like, yeah, yeah, you may not have the accolades, but obviously there's nothing to be ashamed about when you have somebody that's just that good. So they got three guys that are just that good that just dominate the game. And I mean, Andy Murray was a pretty big name, and then he kind of got hurt, but I mean, he wasn't yeah. an American, but. Serena he, I don't think he was anyway. battled her life out in the first round yep, to lose. Done. And um, I don't know. I, I got to believe she'll make one last run at the U.S. Open and say goodbye. I mean, I can't imagine her not ending her career here in the United States with one crack at the U.S. Open. But, um, boy, you, you get nervous when you see stuff like that because you're, you're so used to seeing what you're used to seeing. And um, we look at it then She's in the, the golf best, world, like best Tiger player, Woods. Like, best tennis player of all time. Yeah. I mean, women's player of tennis of all time. I mean, it just makes you wonder, like, um, you know, obviously her best years are behind her. The question is, does she ever have a chance to play again? Who knows? Yeah, um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, she, I mean, she just obviously, first off, has the build that uh, makes it difficult. I mean, for a tennis player, most tennis players are not built like she is. So, I mean, an injury and... At her age, it's hard to try to get back and recover and get in that shape to play. So at least there is one American girl left um, after Coco lost to her. Um, so I guess the key is ever when, um, again, would be it'd be fun to see American, um, it'd be fun to see American sports, um, especially, I guess, what I'm trying to say, American tennis back in the forefront um, the question is, I mean, when, how? We just, I think it, it's, I think it's better when um, America's kind of forefront in. in it somewhat draws more interest yeah. if American is actually doing well, especially in something like tennis, where you know it's like if you get one there, it's like I think a lot of America does end up trying to watch it because they know it. It might not happen again for a while. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely interesting. So. Like Coco Golf, I guess, you know. Yeah. You look at her and um, someone that they just rally around when she's obviously in contention, so. Yeah, she, um, I watched that match the other day. She um, was up, oh no, she was down maybe 3-1 or 4-1 in the first set and came back to win the first set then. And then just, I don't know, her, they said her backhand just let her down, but I mean, she just, whew, I mean, she got on that downward spiral. She wasn't coming back up, so yeah. it was it was a rough 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 ride for her and a short run kind of in Wimbledon and then finally um, we are one week away from the British Open we're not going to dive a bunch into the British exactly Open. what nine days and probably like seven hours yeah and I think for all golfers we'll get into the British Open and our favorites and all that later on in a different podcast 
But I think it's going to be the last time we ever see the best players in golf on one course again. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen next year. I definitely think the majors are going to pull back on LIV. Um, it's it's amazing to think next week is probably going to change the face of golf forever. Um, so I, I did actually, um, on Saturday, um, about 6 o'clock, I came in, and I sat on this nice comfy recliner here, and I was going to watch the LIV and see what it was all about. And um, I did fall asleep, and I did wake up to watch the last hole. And, um, you know, Greg Norman talked about the fact that they were sold out. But if you were following Twitter, Friday morning, Saturday morning, <laughs> um, they were offering tickets at 25 50% off. All the golfers were, like Ian Holt turned them through their Twitter. Um, and I, I did, I take that back. I probably listened to a little bit of it before I fell asleep. And then even when I woke up, but I'm going to be honest with you, it's like listening to a cult. And um, who announces it? Some guy who I never heard of, and Jerry Foltz, who used to be on the PJ Tour and LPJ Tour coverage, and Jerry Foltz has turned into um, the Donald Trump of lies. I mean, the guy. It, it's it's almost sickening how they 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 just bring up stuff that they bring up and and. They'll say, look at this, elect like on the last hole, they said, look at this electric scene. We've never seen anything like this in golf. There were probably a 1,000 people. Mm-hmm. Did he not see Tiger Woods when he won in Atlanta? Did he not see the Masters? And then, of course, I don't think you've heard this, but um, I, I tell everybody to go out and look at Taylor Gooch um, and his comments um, after... Um, the um, LIV, and I'm looking for it on my Twitter because I did retweet it. And um, so they have these um, team things, too. And um, Taylor Gooch got on there with Patrick Reed and Dustin Johnson. And um, I don't think you'll be able to hear it. Um, But um, let's just see if we can maybe hear some of it. Well, he hasn't yet, and he never will. Yeah, and Dustin Johnson, and if you look at Patrick Reed's face at the end, and Dustin Johnson actually turns sideways because I don't think he can actually keep a straight face. Um, it's it's they they've been brainwashed. Um, there's no doubt about it. I love this. Um, one of the fans yelled to DJ, "Let's go, DJ! Dismember the competition, buddy! Cut their limbs off!" Um, as DJ was walking off one of the greens. Um, of course, earlier in the week, Fred Couples um, went on a rampage, um, called Phil Mickelson stupid, um, said he's never seen anybody, has he ever seen Phil Mickelson look as dumb as he is right now? Um, Mickelson's been 30 over par in his, uh, in his return to LIV in his um, holes at the, at the U.S. Open. Um, he also said he'd never talked to him again, so that might make for a weird yeah. um, master's dinner come next April, but um, it is absolutely amazing. Um, I saw Zach Johnson 
um, tweet something today about this whole Taylor Gooch thing and about the whole fact that this is like the you know the Ryder Cup and the Breasted Cup, um, and of course now the the two Ryder Cup teams have gone back and forth and they're tweeting you know the I mean it, it's amazing um, obviously all the golfers say they must spend more time with their family, but I see now next year LIB is going to 14 tournaments, mm. uh, and then the guys will play the mate. I mean, this is just, it's its absolutely, um, it's its just sickening. Um, and I'm not going to lie to you, it was, it was pretty boring. I don't know, they got these announcers I've never heard from. I, well, they're basically just playing for the PGA, they're not playing for, they're playing, like a similar schedule that the PJ Tour would play, they're just going to get more money and they're going to play in front of less fans. Yeah, I mean, and, and not only that, but the travel that they're going to. They're going all yeah. over the world. Uh, Pat Perez shot 80. Um, I love how Fred Couples caught him, what, a grain of salt mm-hmm. in, in the tour. Um, shot 80. Still won $100,000, $200,000, and finished first in the team competition and won $750,000. So, again, um, they've all made great financial decisions for themselves. Nobody is arguing that. I mean, they're set for the rest of their life. Yeah. Um, But as I was watching it Saturday, I thought to myself, and Brendan Grace won the tournament, um, what what is he playing for? Um, I mean, Tiger went for Jack. My question is, what, 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 is what, what are members of that tour playing for? And how, how can it be seen on the same page when they only play 54 holes to boot? Yeah. I mean, they don't even play a full 72-hole tournament. So um, it's, it's definitely um, it's going to be interesting next week because I do believe, um, obviously we'll have to wait to see what the Augusta does in April. But you kind of have to believe that um, next week will be the last time. The last time, well, maybe not the last time ever, but for the last time for the foreseeable future that we'll have yeah. the environment and the event situation like it's been for the last uh, 100 years or so. I mean, once they started able to actually go to the British Open, people started commonly going to the British Open. So it'll be 55 years, we'll say, um, that the you know players actually went to there and the players from, the, um, from over Europe came to America to play in the big tournaments. I mean, it's just going to be the last time for the foreseeable future that we're going to have, you know, the, the, the majors and then the PGA Tour be the way it's been for, you know, years and years and years. So It's definitely going to be um, different. And, um, again, next week we're going to be at the home of golf. We're going to have, um, I think, an unbelievable open championship. Um, a course that Unless the weather is bad, you expect to see some really low scores. Um, yeah, I mean, and the weather's going to be the only thing that's going to change that. So Yeah, I mean, so... From tee to green, it's not a course that compares to... It just got this, this history, and obviously the weather obviously can play a huge factor on that. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing some wind. I don't know if I really want to see them, like, a bit pouring, because that just doesn't really make golf fun, but cool. Maybe a little light sprinkle and some wind, make it really interesting and make it hard on the players, and... Hopefully it ruins all the LIV guys and their lives are terrible. And we do know Tiger Woods is playing. He is there. He's in Ireland already. Um, so um, that's good to know. 
Um, so we'll see how he does today. He played this morning and will play again tomorrow. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see. But um, in the end, it's going to be fun to see. Um, we'll preview the Open Championship um, later. We will, of course, come back and let you know. We'll take our picks at it, who we think is going to win, um, what might be some surprises. And we'll look at, of course, the golf course, which, um, like I said, it's the home of golf. And it's an interesting course because it gives you a chance to go low. So mm-hmm. we'll leave it there. We'll come back. We'll preview the Open Championship later on this week. Until then, take it easy.